online Crossroads fam. Welcome back, or welcome if it's for the first time. My name's Kenny. I'm a youth pastor at West End Baptist Church and Crossroads Student Ministry, and this is the podcast for my midweek service. Uh, God, in 2020, God is leading us in the direction of D1. It's all about discipleship. But before I can disciple someone, I've got to become a disciple myself. And so what we're looking at is we've got to be one to D1. Uh, this series is really going to take us uh, through a lot of steps of becoming a disciple, but also the importance of making disciples. That's what Christ called us to do. Uh, In this podcast, we're going to be looking at if I'm going to follow Christ and become what he's called me to be, then I got to make sure I'm stepping in his path. So uh, we're looking at four steps that Christ took that gives us the example of what it means to become a disciple of him, but to also make disciples. Glad that you're here with us. As always, welcome to Crossroads. One of the most difficult things to do, of course, is to start anything new. Um, When you start a new grade, you're excited about it, but after you've been in that new grade for a little while, and the thing that's difficult is not just starting it, but staying with it. Yes, you're going to stay with that grade until you go to the next grade, but when, let's just say when you get something new, Since we're just a couple of weeks away from Christmas, you got new things for Christmas. And it's awesome when you first get those new things, but then before long, the newness wears off, and it's just not quite as special. Uh, If you get a new animal, how many of y'all have ever had a pet? Okay, most of us. When I was um, about five years old, my grandfather, my mother's dad, called, and he said, come up to the house, we got some dogs. And now my grandfather was a coon hunter, so I thought we were going to get one of those dogs, but it wasn't. It was a German shepherd. And so we get up there, and sure enough, there's this beautiful just pack of German shepherds there. And I remember every puppy I saw I had to have. And my grandfather said, well, just crawl over there in the pen, Kenny, and see which one you wanted. And so I thought that meant that I would get one, my sister would get one, my mother would get one, and my father would get one. I didn't know what it'd take to raise a dog. So we were just going to get one, of course. And every one I picked up, I would turn to my dad, and he'd go, nope. And I'd put it down. And I'd pick up the next one. Nope. And my sister walked straight to the one that my father had already chosen. She picked it up, and Daddy said, that's the one. And I said, Daddy, why did you want that one? That's the littlest one. He said, look how big her paws are. She had big old paws, so that meant she was going to be a big dog. And we got Tessie home. Tessie was the greatest German Shepherd there's ever been. She understood English. I mean, she was just a brilliant dog. She was that dog when a thunderstorm would come, she would sit in a lawn chair that we had on the front porch. She would sit up in it and look in the window like, aren't you going to let me in? Love that dog. But when we first got her home, Every second of that day, I had that dog with me. I could not bear the thought of not having that little puppy with me. Because let's face it, puppies are really cute, yeah? Puppies are just, oh, they're so cool. And so I would hold Tessie, and I would put her down, and we would run through the yard. And, of course, she could run longer than I could. So she would run further, and I would call her, and she would come back. And I just loved everything about her. When it was time for her to eat, you didn't have to tell me. I knew. And so I went, and I got her food, and it was just, oh, I just wanted to just... Wonderful. Loved every second of it. My dad said, Kenny, it's time for you to come in. I said, but dad, it's Tessie. I got to stay out here with her. He said, she'll be fine. I said, can we bring her in? And I grew up in the time where you didn't have inside pets. And daddy said, no, she's a dog. She stays outside. And so I went inside and of course she starts whining and she starts crying and she starts clawing at the door. But dad, she really wants to be inside. He said, no, she's not going to come inside. And my father, in the gentle voice that he has, he opened the door and said, quit it, you stupid dog. She quit. But I couldn't wait till the next morning. 
And as soon as I woke up, the first thing I did, I made a beeline outside to make sure Tessie was still alive. And sure enough, there she was, standing at the door. And I couldn't wait to just be around her. But, you know, fast forward a couple of weeks, and the newness started wearing off. A couple of weeks later, Mother would have to say, hey, Kenny, you need to go feed your dog. And so I'd go out there, and I, instead of putting the food down and sitting there watching her eat and petting her while she eat, I'd just slop the food in there and go on back about my business. And it wasn't that I didn't like her. It wasn't that I didn't love having a pet, but the newness had worn off. Kind of like when you get your first car. When you get your first car, you're going to wash it a thousand times before you even drive it. You're going to make sure everything's perfect about it. And before long, you're going to live on a dirt road, and you're going to be like, what's the point of washing it? It's just going to get dirty again. The newness wears off, and it's not quite as special as it used to be. Unfortunately, for many of us in this room, we've approached Christ the same way. When God, and this is not a slam on anyone other than myself. It might fit you, it might not. But when God got a hold of my heart, I couldn't imagine not spending time with God. Every opportunity I had, I was opening the Bible and trying to learn something about him. Every time I had the opportunity to talk to somebody about what had happened in my life, I couldn't wait to share that with someone. But just like the new things that we get in life, when the newness started wearing off, it wasn't quite as exciting. And I found myself where I just, it wasn't that I didn't love God. And it's not that I don't appreciate what Jesus did. I just really, the newness had worn off and I had moved on to something else. And I think that's something that's part of our nature because we're not brought up in a generation where you have one thing. We get a thousand different things, it seems like, every other day. And for us to look forward to the next new thing, we have to put the old thing down. But when it comes to Christ, we've got to make sure we're not doing that. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. As we are coming to a better understanding of what it means to be a disciple, through Friendsgiving we talked about being a disciple, one that follows Christ. And if we're trying to understand what it means to follow Christ, we've got to understand more about who Christ is. And for us to get an understanding about who Christ is, we understand that He is the direction that we should be following. He is the one that we're supposed to look towards. And so if I'm going to do that, I've got to understand more about who He is. And so John chapter 1 Verse 1. Somebody read that for us, please. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. One of my favorite passages of Scripture. This helps us come to a better understanding about who God is, what the Word of God is. For us to follow Christ, we have to have an understanding of who He is. For us to come to an understanding of who He is, we have to read about who He is. And for us to, to try to get our minds wrapped around that, we, we come to the understanding that the things that Christ did throughout the Word of God is to set an example for us. I need examples. My father was what you would call a shade tree mechanic. And when I got my blazer, I was so excited about it because it was the first vehicle I ever had that I didn't have to put on a jack to get underneath it. And I would crawl underneath it to change my own oil. And my father would get down on the ground, and he would get to about right there because he had a big stomach, and he couldn't squeeze under it. But he would go, no, now do this. And he would show me what to do. I had to have that example. And if I'm going to try to come to an understanding of what God is, I need to watch what Jesus did because he set the example for us. Because as we read right there, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. From the very beginning, God's Word has been. Now, we can take that as the Word of God being the Bible, which it is, but you also understand that God spoke everything into existence. So his words have always been. 
From the time creation started, his words have been resonating throughout his creation. John chapter 1, verse 14. Somebody read 14 for us, please. And the word became flesh and blood among us, and we behold his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Very good. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we understand just from those two passages that we just read, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, God is a God that never changes, so if He was the Word, He still is the Word. And then it says the Word became flesh, the Word became Jesus. So just in reading that little bit, we understand from that passage, from those passages that Jesus and God are the same. Don't try to figure it out. In our feeble human minds, there's no way we can understand what God is, but just get your mind wrapped around who Jesus is, okay? Now, let me ask you this. Why would Jesus need to pray? Anyone? Set an example. And I, man, I wish I'd have learned that when I was a teenager because I battled with that for years. Why would, why would Jesus go, God, I just want to talk to you for a little bit because he is God. Why would he have to do any of that? And it's just like Layton said, it's to set the example for us, for the one that we need to follow. And if we are claiming that we are followers of Christ, it would be easy for any of us to sit down and look at God's word and find places that we've failed. But what's, what I want you to understand is what's important is that we find ourselves trying to follow the example Christ has set for us. We're all going to walk in footsteps of those that have gone before us. If you are going to be a doctor, at some point, someone else has walked down the path and become a doctor. You're not the one that's starting this thing called doctor. You're following the example someone else has said. If you're going to be a teacher, someone else has been a teacher before you, and you have learned from them. You learn from the positive things. You learn from the negative things. You follow the path that they have blazed for you, that trail that they have cut. You, you've all been probably told at some point that you're going to follow in the footsteps of your parents. For some of you, that might be a cherished thing. For some of you, it might be a horrible thing. In my mind, I find myself daily saying things that my mother and father would say and doing things that my mother and father did. There are times that my wife will look at me and go, all right, Kendall, and I'll go, <laughs> just kind of frustrated. Uh, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have in your mind gone, I will never be like my parents? Okay. Right now, my son's going, mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah. Finding the path we need to go down. See, whatever your future is, whatever your career choice is going to be, someone else has taken that path. And let's just say that you're going to be a school teacher. There are a million different ways for you to become that school teacher. For some of you, you'll go straight into college. Some of you, you might go into the military so you can get your college paid for. Some of you might go into a different profession and then go, you know what, I don't like doing that. I've got a very close friend who was going into education. He graduated in education, taught for one year, and oh no, I can't deal with this. I'm going to be a nurse, and he works in an OR. He would rather see people bleeding than be a school teacher. So to our school teachers, thank you. Whatever your future is, there are a lot of different ways for you to get to that future. But when it comes to heaven, there is one way to get to heaven. Now, there are a lot of different ways. You'll take many different paths to find your way to Jesus. But there's one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus. And once we come to that merge where we all are following that one path that Jesus has set for us, we got to try to figure out how do we follow the steps of Jesus. So how do we follow 
the steps of Jesus? Well, I'm glad that you have asked. Take your Bibles, if you would, turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, please. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. For us to follow in the steps of Christ, we need to do the things that he set the example for us to do. The reason he set the example for us is to make our life not perfect, but make our life what God desires it to be. And one of the first things that we need to do if we're claiming that we are going to be a follower of Christ, we need to make sure we're spending time with God daily. When Jessica and I were dating, I desired to be in that relationship with her. And it didn't matter what was going on in my world. At some point, I was going to call her. When we got to a certain level in our relationship, I saw her just about every day. Now, you, I need you to understand, it wasn't a convenient thing. It was a sacrifice. Sacrifice for her, she had to put up with me coming around. Sacrifice for me, I lived at Rolling, Oak, Ro Rolling Oaks Apartments. I cut grass for a living, so I was getting up at 4 o'clock every morning. I was going and getting the lawnmowers and the equipment by 5. By 6 o'clock every morning, I was cutting grass. If it was a Thursday, I was cutting grass by 5.15 because we were cutting the golf course, and there wasn't anybody around. And then I would work until the sun went down. And in the summertime, that meant 8.30 or 9 o'clock at night sometimes. And so by the time I would get from Thorsby, where all my lawn equipment was, and get home to my apartment at Roland Oaks apartment and get a shower, it was getting 9.30-ish. And I was either calling or going to Calero, where she lived, to see her. It wasn't convenient at all. But you know what? I desired to be in that relationship. And every day, I wanted to spend time with her. If we desire to be that disciple Christ has called us to be, we need to be spending time with him daily. It says that early in the morning, Jesus got up and he went to a solitary place to pray. The way he communicated with the Father is through prayer. The way we communicate with the Father is through prayer, but also through reading his word. I think it's critical for us to daily have time set aside where we spend time in God's word. One of our students has been posting on social media, and I think it's their Instagram account. And they will just have a picture of their journal about what they've read. And they would have journaled out what, they, what God had spoken to them. To me, it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. I absolutely love seeing that. This person is spending time in God's Word. And then when I read the verse that they had read and I read what they journaled, I was like, man, that's good. God is talking to this person. Spending time in God's Word. And the question might come to mind, well, is this something I need to do in the morning? Because if I'm going to follow the example Jesus did, it says that he got up early in the morning. Ugh. How many of you like getting up early in the morning? One. I'm not crazy about it. <laughs> I get up 5 o'clock every morning, usually. Sometimes it's 5.12. <laughs> because for some reason my phone quit alarming. It just goes, Burr, now. Does it alarm? It flashes. That CPAP's got me. <laughs> anyway, um, but in the mornings when I do my quiet time, I get up at five-ish. I go in and I get my cup of coffee. I sit down and I, I do my quiet time. And the reason that I do that is because I need to start my day this way. 
I believe that God gives us direction through his word and also through communication. And I need direction every day. Now, it's up to you when you do it. Just for me personally, that's when I do it. I want to start my day spending time with Christ, just like we start the new week being in church. But it's not critical when during the day you do it. The critical thing is that you actually do it. Like I said, for some of you, you might not be able to do early in the morning. I don't know what time you get up to get ready for school, but if you back that up 30 minutes, you might not be able to function. I have, the, I have so much fun watching my family wake up in the morning. My wife will walk in and... And she'll stop right in front of the TV. I don't understand why. <laughs> she'll come down the hallway and just stand right in front of the TV and just scratch her head. And I'll go, um, good morning. Good morning. It's not that deep. Good morning. And I say, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Her eyes still haven't opened. I mean, she's totally blind walking through the house. And she sometimes bounces from wall to wall. But she'll stand in front of the TV. And I'm watching, seeing, like, if we're going to have a hurricane or something today. And I'm trying to look around her to see what's going on in the news. You just... <laughs> and then she walks past me and goes into the kitchen. Start breakfast, get her coffee, whatever it is. And then when it's time for the, the boy to get up, <laughs> I can't remember your name. <laughs> <laughs> Early onset. Okay. Anyway, uh, when it's time for Barry to get up, I go at 6 to get my shower because Jessica's done got dolled up. She's like, mm-hmm, I'm awake now. And so she's awake. And at 6, I go in and I open the door and go, hey, Barry, it's time to get up. And he sits up and goes, <laughs> And then I go get my shower. And by the time I get through with my shower, he's finished his breakfast and he's going to get his shower. I go, good morning, buddy. How you doing? I'm good. But it's just so much fun. There's no way I could look at my son and go, hey, buddy, it's 5 o'clock in the morning. Why don't you get up and do your quiet time? Okay. <laughs> the evening. God, thank you for evening. Amen. You know, it might not work for you in the morning, but what's important is that you find time to spend with God. And the thing is, is I listen to people all the time, and I'm so envious of people that are scholarly, smart people. I'm just going to throw a name out there, Ryan Kirkland. Ryan did a wedding the other day, and I got saved twice. I mean, it's just, he's that guy. But Ryan will be like, man, I just, I was sitting there reading the other day. I go, so what are you reading? He went, the Bible? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I've been reading Gerard Chronicles. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I read the first 29 chapters of whatever. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I, I just, I finally just stopped. I've been reading for about four hours. And I was like, I, I, <laughs> I could not do I can't read for 12 minutes, much less four hours. The thing is, is it's not about the amount of time. It's about the quality of time that you're spending. Spending time with God. One of the things that, that we shared years ago is the KISS method. You keep it short and simple. It doesn't have to be a, a marathon. But just digging into Scripture, more than just doing a magic grab, finding a devotion that helps you study God's Word, spending time with Him daily. If Jesus set the example and we're going to walk in His steps, we need to start our day or some point in our day. Have a time to be with Christ. The second thing that we need to do if we're going to follow the steps of Christ is surround, our pe- surround, surround ourselves with believers. 
Now, there are numerous examples of Christ in the, the people that he surrounded himself with. Now, when I say surrounded, I'm talking about in his downtime, when he wasn't teaching to the masses. He spoke to people that a lot of us wouldn't have even spoken to because they were considered to be outcasts or considered to be unclean. But when he was back with his circle of friends, they were people that were like-minded. They were people that desired good. And it's so important for us to make sure that our circle of friends are quality, are people that desire to be with God. I think one of the easiest things for us to do if we were to go to a camp, a conference, any of that, is to find ourselves getting closer to God. And I never understood it when I was a kid. When I was a teenager, we used to go to this camp called uh, Cook Springs. And every year we go to Cook Springs. And it was the most close spiritual time I'd ever experienced because I was with a group of friends and that whole week was set aside for us to grow closer to Christ. And it never failed. We would all leave that camp and in our minds we'd go, this time I'm going to keep this I'm just going to stay close to God. But before long, we find ourselves trailing back off because maybe we've surrounded ourselves with friends that their desire is not to be around God. Their desire is not to grow closer to God. And then even if our friend's desire is that, we put ourselves in different locations, we put ourselves in different places, we surround ourselves in an environment that's not centered about Christ. The friends that I grew up with were some of the best friends anyone could ask for. To this day, I could call any of those guys. I promise you, I could make a couple of phone calls right now. And there are guys that would come from all over the southeast to help me out. Because we have that friendship. You've got friends that are like that. But I can also tell you this, I have no idea if any of them are saved. I have no idea. That was not even things that we would talk about when I was a teenager. Because my teenage years was wrapped up in Kenny. Find yourself a group of friends that desire to follow Christ. It's critical that we do that because if we're in a circle of 10 friends and three of them decide to do stuff that we shouldn't do, before long it's going to turn to four. Before long it could turn to five and before long we could find ourselves in that group. But if our group is centered and focused to, to have that relationship with Christ and a growing relationship, we're going to find ourselves stepping in the path that Jesus has created. Because he surrounded himself with believers. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. There is no shame if you need to go to the front of the Bible to find out where Titus is. It's going to be after 2 Timothy. Today I found myself going, oh man, I love that verse. Somebody took Titus out of my Bible, and I flipped forever, and I was about to just jump into the front. There's no shame in that. I'm a, I'm a youth man. I'm a professional Christian. There are times I can't find it. Titus. <laughs> That's not, but you know what is there? Some good stuff. Titus chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. What version of the Bible you got? ESV? Yes, okay. In the NIV, no offense to ESV, but I just like the way it says it. It says to set an example. Again, we talked earlier about 
uh, we, a lot of times we learn better from example. And the thing is, is, in the circle of friends that we are around every day, we have the opportunity to set an example for someone in the way we carry ourselves. And that's something that, that we need to understand that as a follower of Christ, we have to set the example. Christ was one that set the ultimate example. Someone that didn't sin. Someone that lived a life of purity. Someone that would be around people that were not the best people, but he would set the example for them. Um, years ago, I had some, some students, and um, how many of y'all got friends that sin? Okay, good. I'm not alone in this. I approached one of our students. I said, hey, I just want to talk to you about your friend. And their, one of their best friends was a homosexual. And they said, okay. And I said, so tell me about him. No, well, you're, gonna, you're not going to like him. I said, why? They said, because he's gay. And I said, okay. And I said, so what are your thoughts? Well, I love him. I said, good, good, good. Have you talked to him about their sin? Well, you're just going to judge him because you're gay? And I was like, no. But you know what? The thing I found about Jesus, and I told this person that, I said, the thing I found about Jesus is he loved the people, but he would also correct them. He would also tell them that the life they're living is not the right life. He loved them so much that he wouldn't allow them to stay where they were. He, lo- he loves you as you are, but he loves you too much to allow you to stay where you are. That's what that life transformation happens. And when that happens in your life, you are the one that's to set the example for others to follow. And when I shared that with them, they just, it didn't make sense to them. And I said, we got to understand that in the eyes of God, sin is sin. You might be an axe murderer, and I might have just sped today in my car. And in the world's view, that's going to be completely different. You go, well, why speed in the sin? It's not in the Bible. It says to render under Caesar that which is Caesar. So if the government sets rules up, you follow the government rules. So axe murderer in the world's eyes, speeder. But in the eyes of God, it's going to be the same. And it's really easy for me to look at somebody that is an axe murderer and go, I just can't believe they would be an axe murderer. How dare they be an axe murderer? But you know, there's sin in my life too. But God loves me enough to not allow me to enjoy being in sin. And that's the thing. As the one that sets the example, you have to be the one to show people the positive side of what God is, the beautiful side of what God is, and be the one that gives them something that is desirable. In the eyes of God, someone that is striving for perfection is, he doesn't love them any more than the one that is going to be the ex-murderer. But I just, I think that us trying to be the best we can be for Christ is what God's called us to be. And again, we're never going to achieve perfection, but if we set the examples for others to follow. I was really proud of Kenny in my teenage years. I was a swole monkey. I was a muscle head. I loved every part of it. There's something about when you walk in a room and folks go, dang. Now I walk in a room and folks go, dang. It's completely different. But there was just something cool about that. And I loved every second of it. But I had this friend. And this friend started talking to me about coming to this thing called Wednesday night. His friend's name was Richard, and he was my, my cousin. And Richard was that guy, if he did it, I wanted to do it. He set an example for me. And because he was, hey, man, why don't you come to church Wednesday night? And I said, why? He said, well, 
there's this guy that does a Bible study every Wednesday night. It's really cool. And I was like, with a bunch of kids, because I was like 19, <laughs> hanging out with kids. But he set the example for me. And I, I wanted to be wherever he was and do whatever he was. There's something about someone that is in touch with God. It's appealing to those that aren't. Now, they don't understand why. But there's a certain glow about someone that has security in Christ and has that peace that passes all understanding. And through the example that you live, people that are on the outside of the world of Christ, they're wanting to be a part of that and they just don't know what it is. But because of the life you live, the example that you set, you might draw people to Christ because of that, just as Jesus did. I've often wondered what it would have been like to be there when Jesus called his first disciples. Maybe you were a fisherman's helper and you had gone to get a grape knee because they were thirsty. I don't know that they served them back then. You don't know that they didn't. So, And as you're walking back, you hear Jesus say, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they drop their nets and they just take off. I just wonder what it must have been like. What was it that they saw in Jesus that made them want to follow him, to leave everything they had behind and say, you know what? I'm following this cat. What was it? The presence of God in someone is going to attract people. It's going to draw people, not to you, but to what's special in you, and that's Christ. Setting that example. And then in love. The way we start following the steps of Christ, we're going to spend time with Him daily. We're going to surround ourselves with people that are believers. We're going to set the example of what a Christian is. But then we're going to love the word love is epitomized through what Christ is. The truest definition of love is Jesus Christ. And when we think about love, of course, we go to the cross because we understand that the truest show of what love is is when Jesus Christ sacrificed himself for our sins. A perfect person that paid the price for each one of us. That's what love is. Why would he do that? Because he loves us. But we also see throughout the Bible where Jesus shows love to people that were undeserving. And that's everyone. Jesus went to that woman that was at the well in the hottest part of the day, and no one else would associate with her, but he went to her because he knew that love was what that lady needed. Setting that example, showing love to someone, being compassionate. Or the woman that was brought in prostitution, and they brought before Jesus. And by the law, she was supposed to be stoned. And these people had brought her out of a house where she was caught in the act. They brought her out and threw her at Jesus' feet and says, the word says we're supposed to stone her. What do you say? And it says that Jesus was writing in the sand. And scholars are saying that he was writing their sin. I don't know. He might have been drawing. He might have been playing tic-tac-toe with himself. I don't know. I have no idea what he was doing. All I know is when he got finished drawing in the sand, he stood up. And in Kenny's mind, he didn't just stand up and say something. He stood up and went... <clears throat> Any of y'all got sin? Whoever doesn't have sin, go on and throw a rock. And he didn't say, who among you are not prostitutes? He said, who among you do not have sin? Because again, in the eyes of God, sin is sin. And it says instantly, when those men heard that, they didn't go, but, 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 but. They went, cha-ching. And they started dropping their rocks. 
And with that lady's face to the ground, she's got to be hearing these rocks go all around. And there's probably things going through her mind like, these guys are terrible shots. They hadn't even hit me yet. Maybe. Or maybe she was going, well, what just happened? And then when she stood up, Jesus said, who's here to condemn you? She said, there's no one. Here's the beautiful part about Jesus is, you remember we said that Jesus loves us, but he loves us too much to allow us to stay where we are? He said, go and sin no more. He didn't say, okay, you're good. Go back and do what you've been doing. He said, because now I'm a part of your life, you're changed. Go and sin no more. The love that you have towards people is to shine that light of Jesus and to correct when needed. If we're going to become a disciple, what Christ has called us to be, we've got to be willing to start walking in the steps of Jesus. We are going to follow steps. My question for you is, whose steps are you following? Please don't walk in my steps because I'm going to lead you astray at some point. But if you follow the steps of Jesus, these are four simple steps to start getting us on the right path of being what Christ has called us to be. And that's a true disciple. Let's pray. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us through our social media. Go to KennyCrossroads.com and you can find all our places where you can get in contact with us. Or feel free to drop by sometime. Meet us at West End Baptist Church, Clanton, Alabama, or drop by on a Wednesday night at Crossroads, which is on the campus of West End Baptist Church. Love to hear from you. Love to just see what you're getting from this. And as always, thank you for being a part of Crossroads.